international soccer fans in that case that was euro 2016 we'll get to why people are hearing that in just a moment but first you heard my crack of the beer hello dan hello what are you drinking gav that you know looks interesting i'm going i've softened my kind tonight i'm not having a dark i am um, muddy york brewings gaslight hellas lager so oh nice uh, nice easy drinker as well yeah, well, there you go. I, I, I tend not to uh, go for lagers usually, unless it's one of your uh, your locals, which in this case it is, so I'll let it pass for now. It's usually a little too light okay. for me, but that's just my excuse not to have the uh, the big brewers. And you, Dan? I'm back on the homebrew, my IPA. I've been digging into this for about a week now, and it's uh, it's lovely. It's very nice. Chinook hops, Cascade hops. It's, uh, it's a lovely thing I've got going on here. I'm... Uh, and it's a 6.2%, so you get a little bit merry after a couple. You can feel it. Uh, so it's nice. With all the hops, it must smell like a pine tree. It does a bit, yeah. And it is from that, uh, you know, it is a West Coast style as well, so it certainly does. Um, Gav, should I introduce yes. this? Uh, well, I say this week's guest. We kind of record this whenever we're free. Yes, it's not really a, a, a timely thing, but yes, this this is your work this week, so all yours, Dan. Yeah, I'd like to introduce, um, well, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I play darts. Um, I say play darts, I kind of throw them very tamely at a board and hopefully they kind of hit something. Some of the best fans in all of sports, 180 with their signs that they hold up. It, Exactly, amazing fans, and it's a it's a great sport. And it, it, whoever people say it's not a sport, are just talking bollocks. Like it's a great, great sport. And I was captain of a team for a bit, and honestly, I was trying to offload this burden on someone for so long because like I could never make the meetings. So like I, I I wasn't very I'm not very good. So like it kind of felt a bit weird that I was captain. So I was trying to offload it for ages, and then I got my mate Timmy on board, who I've known since I worked at a pub called a Derby, which has been and gone now. Um, and I got him in, and he was so enthusiastic for this sport, and and soon you know became one of the better players on the team, and now he's our captain, and the highwaymen you know live on, and uh, and I'm delighted to have him on here because he's a a massive football fan. He unfortunately supports Liverpool, but he's also a you know really keen fan of Croatia as well. Um, I suppose he's not really called Timmy; he's actually called Tom. And I and can you say your surname in the most Croatian way possible? Please? Yeah, my uh, surname's Domjancic, or I want to anglicize it; it's Domjancic. But yeah, Tom Domjancic. It's a pleasure to be on the pod today, and um, yeah, thanks for having me on to talk about the Euro 2016, which I was lucky enough to attend three games at. Nice, nice. And your family are originally from, like, I've, I've been lucky enough to travel to Croatia and I've been to, like, a Dubrovnik, Zadar, and uh, and Split, but I don't think I've been up around your family's way in Croatia before. Yeah, my family's um, close to Zagreb, about an hour's drive, a small village that both of my parents grew up in, and um, they moved to Canada in the 70s, and I was, I guess, grew up you know, Croatian was my first language and it's a big part of um, how I identify and, of course, uh, a love of Nogomet, as we call it in Croatia, or football, soccer is something that I grew up with and I guess attending one of these tournaments and 
supporting Croatia was always a lifelong dream of mine. No, and, and I'd just like to say, unfortunately the listeners can't see this, but Timmy has a ridiculous hat on. Can you explain what you're wearing right now? Yeah, so I'm wearing the Croatian water polo cap, which has kind of these... I've never played water polo, I'm not even really a good swimmer, but <laughs> I guess it has this ear protection just in case someone's, you know, batting you against the head and um, it's obviously checkered. Um, so you'd see this a lot in the stands and... I actually got this after the tournament, but, you know, as many checkers as you can put on yourself, that's what, what we usually do uh, during these tournaments. So, yeah, this is part of my new gear. Now, since uh, now since Croatia gained independence from from the whole f- former Yugoslavia, uh, it's been the, the, that Croatian flag and the checkerboard has been a welcome addition to world sport. It's very iconic you know right away someone's a croatian fan now uh you mentioned that uh you were there in euro 2016 now how did you how did you get over there was it something you'd planned well in advance yeah i guess like as i said before there were a number of tournaments before that that i had opportunities to go to and for whatever reason you find reasons not to attend and you know i think the time came enough of my friends had gone and you know things just kind of fell into place where I got a, a group of friends together, so it was um, all guys from Canada. It was, um, you know, two of my Croatian friends from Toronto, Hamilton, and uh, a Romanian guy and uh, another Canadian guy from Vancouver. And so a bit of a random group of guys, but we applied for tickets through the Follow Your Team option through UEFA. So with my parents' passports, I was able to apply as a fan of Croatia and from what I see usually I don't think they're very like I don't know if they really check on that stuff in terms of like your passport number but we got the draw and we got a bunch of tickets so yeah that was pretty much the purpose of the trip so I went down there for 11 days and just elected to go to the first three group stage matches and and like obviously I'm tainted by international football just because the people who follow England away are such a massive bunch of insert <laughs> beep here Gav um so like what are Croatia fans like are they intense or did you find a really friendly atmosphere I mean like talk us through when you first landed I suppose and got got settled and you know kind of met up with fellow Croatian fans yeah yeah so you know I think one thing about the Croatian fans is you have a lot of people traveling from the diaspora. So a lot of Croatians from Canada, Australia, and wherever else um, they live. Like we met Croatians from Germany. Um, Usually, you know, people that live outside of Croatia have a bit more financial means to, to get to these big tournaments. So you end up seeing a lot of people that are Croatian from outside of Croatia. Um, Yeah. So there was like quite a number of, people traveling from where I'm from originally in Hamilton. And I also lived in Australia for a number of years and played for a a Croatian um, soccer team there. So I knew quite a few of the lads from from Melbourne that were going to be in France as well. Um, So, yeah, we basically landed the day before the first Croatia match. Um, We were in we were in Paris for the for the first game we kicked off in Paris. So. Yeah, it was like 
pretty overwhelming. I, you know, I think having never been to France and never been to an international tournament, there was, um, yeah, like a lot of emotions going there. And, um, we, we settled into like a hostel and automatically you kind of see the spirit of the tournament. So, you know, you're seeing people from countries from all over the place. Like there were quite a few Irish people in our hostel, um, you know, and everyone's wearing their jerseys. So, it's it's a pretty cool experience. You just see like a, basically a giant mob of football fans descend on a city. It's it's pretty special. That's got to be a good way to do it. Is with in a hostel uh, in those international events. I mean, I was um, as an aside. I was at the 2014 Olympics in Sochi for a little bit, and I was in a hostel and I'm sitting watching TV, and there was a. Um, uh, and there was a, a guy from Australia, and it was one of the Australian bobsledders' fathers. And it was, you know, you just start chatting, and you know, what's that experience like? We just see people, you just start chatting, and and it's really the the true spirit of of international events like that. Yeah, I mean, I just get goosebumps just even thinking about it. Like that first night in in Paris, my friends had all decided to go to the fan zone. Or to like go out on the town and I was like, I think I was a bit nervous and just like wanted to get like a good sleep in and I didn't want anything to happen to keep me from going to the match the next day. So I decided to stay in the hostel and um, it was overrun by all these Irish fans and, you know, I met like generations of like people that were there with their father and like that's when like the partying really began and like all the Irish started doing all their chants and you know they wanted to hear the Croatian chants so we were all singing together I uh I sent Dan a picture earlier of of me with my shirt off standing on a table with a bunch of Irish guys um so yeah that was like <laughs> yeah that, that that was a great way to kick it off and um definitely a lot of fun kind of partying with the Irish I've heard good things about Irish fans at, at at a tournament like that. Yeah, I think, you know, they're not always there. So when they are there, they make the most of it for sure. And, you know, they have that humor where they can kind of take the piss at themselves. And, you know, I remember there was a song that they were singing. It was like, we all dream of a team of Gary Breams, I think's his name. And I've never heard of this player. And <laughs> they told me he's like, yeah, he's like the worst Irish player ever. But they like to sing his name anyway. So, um, yeah, th those were the experiences that that I really remember and really cherish. So, so what do you remember of the uh, the first game you went to was um, against Turkey uh, at the Parc de France? I mean, what do you remember about the atmosphere leading up to that game when you went to the stadium? I mean, it must have just been breathtaking. Yeah, like I said, it was it was pretty overwhelming. Like I'm in Paris; I've never been there. You know, we start the day off where I text some friends from some Croatian friends that I know that were at a cafe just like, you know, a few meters away from the Eiffel Tower. And we just interrupt people's breakfast by starting with the chanting and, you know, trying to like really can't contain myself. Like I think <laughs> I did more singing and chanting than I did speaking during this tournament. So, um, yeah, so we all kind of gather there. And then we I remember taking the cab you know, like through the Champs-Élysées on the way to the stadium. And, you know, as we get to the Parc de Prince, um, there's just like, you know, and, and Gav, you mentioned this, just like the sea of checkers that that you see coming in and it's just spine tingling. And, and you see all the Turkey fans and 
you know, at that point, you know, we walked into the bar that was like closest to the stadium. And, you know, I've ran into some friends already from Australia and we start singing like my local football song that I that we used to chant during games when I when I played in Melbourne. And, you know, next thing, you know, you're in the stadium and, you know, the, the anthem's playing and um, I'm there. And it's one of those moments where, you know, really got to pinch yourself, um, you know, and uh, we were also in the supporter section. So I think that was, um, I think that's the way to do it. Like, at least for me, who, you know, kind of has a lot, I have interest in the game, but obviously I want to be right in the thick of it, chanting and, and um, being with like all the supporters. Very brave of you to uh, upset Parisians in the morning. Now, I, I, I always say I love France. I'm not a huge fan of Paris. It's like two separate countries to me. What were the Parisians like to, you know, roaming bands of soccer fans? Yeah, you know, now that you mention that, I think of the cities that I went to in France, like the atmosphere in Paris pre-game and around the matches was the least enjoyable. You know, it's a big metropolitan city. Um, people are going about their business and it was kind of hard to find places where to congregate um, with like other Croatian fans, whereas in the smaller cities, everyone just kind of gathers in the center square. So... Yeah, like I, I found it a bit cold, I guess, with with some of the the local Parisians. It was also a very strange time because, you know, prior to the tournament, there were a number of terror attacks in in Paris, um, which prevented a lot of people from going to the tournament, and it was definitely in the back of my mind. So, you know, you had like armed guards, like full military on the streets, and. There was a bit of tension I felt in, in Paris personally because like that was always in the back of my mind. Um, so it, it, it was a bit different being there compared to the other places that I traveled to. No, no, that, that sounds like, yeah, I, I remember that happening. I remember covering the game where the bombs went off outside the stadium. I think it was a France versus Germany game, if I remember correctly. Um, absolutely frightening. But when you were, you know, away from the uh, the locals and stuff like that, were you, you know, able to let loose a little bit in the stadium? I mean, was it just like an all, you know, a, a two hour party in there? Oh yeah, like once. I mean, once I was in the stadium, I forgot about all of those, all of that fear, all of that anxiety, kind of washed away. And there was a really cool moment, actually. You know, you're taking pictures and stuff like that, and um, a couple Croatian men came up to me asked to take their picture and they're like, where are you from? I'm like, well, I'm from Canada. And they're like, oh, do you know, you know, you know, when you get into this kind of conversation, they're probably going to ask, do yes. you know Dollar from you know, Vancouver? But they're actually like, do you know Vitold from Toronto? I'm like, actually, I do. I was like looking to meet up with them before the game. And they're like, oh, we're his cousins. Like, we're going to meet up with them. We're going to be in um, Saint-Étienne with him. So like, it's, you know... Croatia is a small country and the the world's a small place and it's just amazing how you can make those connections and, and meet those people. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, and then we, of course, met up in Saint-Étienne um, for the second game. But um, yeah, like in the, the stadium was just it, it was amazing, like the, the atmosphere was great. We it was loud. Um, 
the chanting, the songs, it, it was it was all amazing. Now, if I can jump into move on to quickly to Saint Etienne for a second, did you take the the train, the SNCF, down to Saint Etienne? Yeah, we did. We did take the train. Yeah. I I I mean, you know, maybe it's me living in Canada where we have a semi-functioning train service, but every time I'm in France, from the the, the jingle that they use to make announcements. To how easily everything is, I, you know, it, it's it's always almost impossible for me not to sort of easily find my way uh, when I'm taking that train system, and I'm not being paid to say that. Yeah, I do. I do remember we went on the train. It was super smooth, and got into Saint Etienne, which is an interesting kind of location to host the game. It's it's a much smaller city, kind of an industrial town. Um, and so, like, there wasn't really much going on there except for, um, you know, the Euros that they were hosting. So people there were extremely um, gracious to, to have us there. And um, it's it's a big kind of football-loving city as well. So everyone kind of talks football there. And, and so that was, that was definitely a different experience compared to Paris. No, that's what I've always felt like. When I've been to Paris, it's never felt like a football city to me. I mean, like... PSG themselves are like five years old and then there's teams in the lower tiers as well like it's just never seemed like a proper football city whereas Saint-Étienne is you know historically a fantastic team especially around the 60s and stuff like that and they produced great players and you know what was it was it did it just feel notice noticeably different when you when you arrived there? Yeah, like as soon as I got into the cab, he instantly started talking football, talking like knew quite a bit about the Croatian team, you know, told me about like Saint-Étienne and the players that they produced and things like that. And, you know, we just we were just talking football the whole, you know, the whole cab ride. So that didn't really happen as much in Paris. So right away, I kind of um, realized that and was also like staying in an Airbnb um, in Saint-Étienne and, you know, got to know the hosts there who were also like happy to have five football fans stay at their place. So that, that was pretty cool. So long as I'm guessing they weren't, you know, English football fans, right, Dan? Yeah, that absolute worst. I mean, like, I suppose I want like, are Croatian fans from your experience, were they like a, a respectable bunch, would you say? Well, that's actually <laughs> Saint Etienne was the the part of the trip that kind of challenged that because, of course, during the match, um, a number of flares were thrown on the field by the Croatian fans, and so what was happening in, into the lead up to that game, um, we started hearing rumors that there was going to be kind of like quote unquote a planned protest. Um, to this day, I don't really know what they were protesting. Um, I believe there was a faction of ultras that are associated with Hajduk Split that were kind of protesting um, the president of Dinamo Zagreb's involvement in just Croatian football, uh, Zdravko Mamic. Um, and so there were these rumors that something was going to happen during the game, and there had been some some trouble leading up to the tournament. So um, I guess it was like a mixed bag. Like uh, most 90% of people were, you know, great to, to party with and, and respectable, but you had this small minority that really, I guess, kind of ruined that game. And, and that small mi- minority, I think has been 
kind of um, responsible for a lot of trouble that um, that has come the creation FA's way over the over the last several years. Now, Saint Etienne is in the in the Loire region, and it's um, we'll get to Bordeaux in a second. But the Loire region, the the Côte du Rhone, is a is a wine area of France. Did you get to have any of the local local wine, and what what kind of stuff are you eating there? Yeah, <laughs> you know what this this uh, you know it's kind of em- embarrassing, but this is like I was so focused on football that like a lot of the cultural things that I could have experienced in France, I, I missed out on. Of course, we had, you know, time to, you know, visit certain galleries and, and do some tourist things. Um, but in terms of drinking wine in the heat, it was a lot of, it, it was <laughs> a lot of like do? beers from your local, um, you know, corner store um, on the streets, what, what me and my friends called like passive day canning. It's kind of just like walking around with the beer most of the day um yeah so i didn't get to like really i don't think i really got to drink any real good wine while i was there i think it, i was mostly on a beer diet <laughs> no i have to say i'm really impressed you went to like a gallery or two now, that's amazing because i just i just saw this as like a massive stag do thing i thought like maybe you know you kind of shake off a hangover by going on a go-kart around a track or something like so i'm i'm surprised that you had like a little bit of culture on this trip yeah yeah no you know i think the non-croatians on <laughs> on our trip made a point of like hey let's like take in some of the cultural experience of uh, experiences of france so you know i was happy that we were able to do that but it was it was a pretty short trip with a lot of travel and we also ended up going to nice where we didn't like see a football match and so kind of did some more more things there kind of to taste the local cuisine and the wines and stuff like that in nice uh yeah now a lot of people don't you know when they go to france they're not thinking i'm gonna go to saint etienne um you know they think paris you know lyon you know, Marseille, Montpellier, Nice. Uh, what what did you see or what did you experience in Saint Etienne when you weren't uh, on your uh, all beer diet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we weren't really there for that long. I think we only stayed like two nights. So honestly, like apart from the game, like I know that after the game. Um, like Croatia tied that game two two, and then after the game, we decided to go out um, on the town, and it was the end of the like I think the university year, so there was um, a pretty good kind of party scene that particular night, and um, so that was like the only place where I really got to meet some French locals that were like open to talk to me and and were interested in in me, and so. It was kind of the experience similar to um, to Paris where I met the Irish, but they were, you know, wanting to chat about football and wanting to, like, learn my songs. And, you know, I was teaching some of the, the, the French the French lads uh, the Croatian songs in the bar. So, yeah, like, that's kind of the one memory I have coming from that club. We were in, like, this cool taxi that had, like, disco lights in it that was, like, you know, driving us to find food late at night, but yeah, like nothing, nothing that I would write in a travel blog per se. Um, in terms of my my stay at Saint Etienne, 
And I just wanted to know, like, how do people, like, how do Croatian Croatians, so the ones who actually travelled from Zadar and, you know, all these cities there, how did they react to, you know, you displaced Croatians? Was there, was there like, a kind of gap in, like, who hung out with who and and how how were the conversations with the, the ones who'd actually travelled from Croatia? I remember meeting a few people and, like, I think when, when I told them I was from Canada, a lot of them like respected that we went like so far to like go and cheer on the team um you know i also think a few like i remember this particular conversation where um you know these two guys that i met were like impressed that i could speak the language so fluently so you know and and most you know like i said before most croatians that live in croatia have relatives um outside of croatia so a lot of them might have visited relatives, so they're generally friendly with um, foreign Croats. Okay, now uh, the third game, you see, you started in Paris, you went down southeast to Saint-Étienne, and then you dashed across west to Bordeaux, and I, I'm not this cultured, but I will say Bordeaux, of course, is known as a wine region. Nearby is a place called Saint-Emilion, and they are sort of rival wine regions, and I am a Saint-Emilion guy classy no anyway uh, bordeaux for the third the third group stage game you uh you were in bordeaux um you know it's you're right near the the west coast but uh you know how how was there much different there or or what was your your bordeaux experience yeah the bordeaux experience it was actually my last stop on the trip so and before I went to Bordeaux, I spent four days in Nice, as, as I said before, and and took a bit more of Nice in. Um, so I was actually only in Bordeaux for 24 hours. So I, I basically landed um, midday and the match started like maybe four or five hours after. And so I just kind of went to the center kind of square um, and did the usual kind of pregame ritual, and then we descended on the stadium. So unfortunately, like, I didn't have time to really do anything in Bordeaux apart from watch Croatia and Spain. Um, so, yeah, like, if I'd go back to France, I'd definitely, you know, I do love red wine, and I, I, I enjoy French wines. It would be something that I'd want to do, and I know that a lot of people that were there and traveled there earlier took kind of, that scenery in and so unfortunately yeah, i didn't have a lot of time to really get stuck into the the culture in bordeaux what was the stadium like though yeah so the bordeaux it was a, a stadium built for the tournament so it was a brand new stadium i think it was built in 2015 uh the nouveau stade de bordeaux um really kind of aesthetically like beautiful stadium it's all white there's like these white pillars that like surround the stadium um it was definitely the the nicest stadium out of the three that i that i went to um while i was was in france no and this one out surely out of the games you went to is this one the most iconic and the most memorable for you because obviously it was a win against spain um ivan perisic who's you know had a fantastic tournament if i remember rightly scored a late winner i mean is this the game that you think back to when you went yeah, I would say this game and the first game. I think the first game, just being the first game that I was at, made it special. And, and Luka Modric scored 
a beautiful volley outside the box. Um, but but this one definitely like it was a, a famous Croatian win against Spain, who had, I think, you know, rode a quite long quite long of a winning streak into this tournament, um, and yeah, so like I was sitting in the supporters section when and 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 that, that this is like a moment I'll never forget is kind of Perisic um, galloping down the wing and and scoring that late winner in the eighty seventh minute. And then after that, all the kind of anxiety and all the kind of tension of, of the game kind of dissipated and it really erupted into a nice party atmosphere. And it was also like a, a strange game because it was on the back of that second game in Saint-Étienne when, when there was the trouble with the, with the fans. So, you know, I spent a lot of the game just like kind of watching the crowd and making sure that nothing was going to happen. And there was you know, quite a few people that didn't even really watch the game and that were kind of like acting as like de facto like bodyguards to make sure that nobody did anything. But yeah, seeing that that winner was was an amazing experience. And uh, the party afterwards in the, in the streets of Bordeaux was was quite the scene, too. What were the what were the Spanish fans like? Were they gracious in defeat? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think in terms of like mingling with fans, that was probably the best experience was following that game. I think, you know, we had both qualified onto the next stage. Um, the the Spanish after the game were, you know, like partying with us. And uh, that was when I did my first jersey swap ever. So uh, I swapped, <laughs> I think, one of my old knockoff Croatian jerseys for like a nice uh, Javi Alonso <laughs> Spain top, which I was happy to to get being a Liverpool fan. So, you know, I spent like the evening walking around with like a Croatian hat on in this like Spanish Jersey and singing Croatian songs. So it, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, it, it was a nice atmosphere with, um, with the Spaniards after, after that, that match. And like, when you think back to this whole trip, I mean, as I said, like to me, it feels like a stag do, but very football orientated stag do. I mean, what is the most memorable night you had there? It was a night he'll never remember. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I would say the most memorable night was that night against Spain. Like, you know, the, the lead up to that, like coming into the city, having like a couple hours, um, you know, like going into the city, seeing, you know, hundreds of Croatian people like doing the kind of standing and sitting chant, which was being led by a friend of mine from Hamilton randomly and then like going to the game at the Stade de Bordeaux with like a couple of Spanish people that one of my friends knew and an Irish person, um, the win. And then like, kind of like the post-match party was just, you couldn't even find like any beer anywhere. It was like people were on the streets, all the bars were kind of playing music on the streets and 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 that's how the tournament ended for me. I, I I left the next day, got onto a flight, and and went back to Canada. So it was the perfect send off, really. Uh, we we asked you about how the Parisians were with soccer fans. What were what were the people in Bordeaux like? Were there were there locals out who were happy to see you? Yeah, there was actually. I I, I remember that it was some kind of like I think coincidentally there was like a street festival happening in Bordeaux, which coincided with the game. So it wasn't just football fans, but it was also the locals that were kind of 
taking in the atmosphere as well. So um, yeah, it, it was amazing. Like the, the best analogy that I can make for like, you know, being at a tournament like this, it's like kind of like going to like a music festival, but everyone's like a football fan instead of a music fan. So everyone kind of speaks that common language of football. And, you know, I do think, you know, like as, as Dan said before, you know, certain groups of fans might get a bad rap, but like 95% of the people that attend these, these tournaments are, are there to have a good time and, and are there to, you know, kind of unite and, and celebrate football really. I'm going to look a little bit off the uh, travel topic here, but it's something I wanted to hear your own thoughts on. Why are Croatia so good at football? <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, and, and it would, I wouldn't say just football. Like, I think we've produced a lot of, you know, good athletes across sports. You've had a couple good downhill skiers over the years, I know. Yeah, like, we have good downhill skier, like Yanitsa Kostelic, who won several gold medals. Um, but, like, there's nowhere to ski in Croatia. So, like, you know, that's the funny thing, right? So, like, I think it's it's a cultural thing. I think, you know, um, Croatian people are very competitive by nature. Uh, You know, I also think there's a certain pride because of our history and and you know what what the country went through, um, you know, in the last twenty years to gain independence that. That makes people really proud to to want to play for Croatia. Um, there might be a bit of genetics in, involved as well. I think if you go down to the coast, like I don't look like a typical Dalmatian man, but a lot of them are, you know, over six feet tall and um... hey, much much better looking than you as well, Timmy. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can also say, I mean, you look at Slovenia as another, you know, former Yugoslav Republic that punches above its weight. They have some of the best cyclists in the world. Their their volleyball team, I know, is on the up and up. They've had a great, you know, football team for a number of years, not with two million people. Yeah, and, and I guess the, in terms of football, I'd also say, like, the Youth Academy in, in Dinamo in Zagreb is, like, a renowned academy um, in world football and has produced quite a number of players so I, I think that has a, a big part of kind of, um, yeah, that, that can account for some of the success in, in football, at least. I, well, I mean, as, a, as, as an Arsenal supporter, you know, Davor Shuker was, was my guy. I know at the, the 98 World Cup, when, you got, when Croatia made quite the splash on the world stage, um, I know Shukerman then went on to only play, you know, a couple seasons in North London. But, uh, yeah, he... Uh, he he's certainly a player that left an impression with me, and and Eduardo da Silva as well. A doo doo as well. That leg break. Uh, who was it? Martin Taylor, who went in and snapped his leg with one hell of a tackle. And that uh, that year, that Arsenal. What I think that was the season where Arsenal just sort of was in the lead in the championship, and then just sort of faded after that tackle. And Dudu was never the same, but he uh, he was always a favorite player as well. Yeah, I mean that that was a real shame. I think he would have went on to to do great things for Croatian. Probably could have been our, our top scorer if if he didn't sustain that injury. And am I correct in like you know because Croatia's not had the best football history politically? Um, am I correct in thinking that Modric isn't the most popular guy in Croatia because 
um, he's kind of supported the kind of big wigs to the you know kind of checkered political background of Croatia. Yeah, I think that might have been the case before the World Cup, but you know, mm-hmm. after his performance at the World Cup, a lot of that attitude towards the national team, I think, kind of dissipated, and the the country really put those political histories and differences aside and and really rallied around that team so you know i i don't think there's any doubt that he'll be our greatest player ever um or is regarded definitely as our greatest player ever at the moment so yeah i think that's all changed since our, our performance at the world cup well, I do. You know, we all love Luka Modric, but I have to say, Vida is probably my favourite player just because he looks like somebody just like off an English building site who uh, you know, drinks on the shift. He's fantastic. Given that um, you know, it was your first time in, in France and you only got the whistle stops uh, at a couple of spots, you certainly, uh, some seeds were planted about some, some future trips you'd like to make one day. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll never live it down that I went to France without my fiance. Um, so she had this time. <laughs> you know, I definitely have to go back, and it definitely won't be on a boys trip. So, you know, um, I was lucky enough that <laughs> that she um, was supportive in me in me going on that trip. But I'll, I'll be back there hopefully with her in the future and. Um, yeah, definitely take in and revisit some of the places that, that I was at and, and take in the local culture. You know, I've done Gold Cups, but I think it's a different experience. I've done, you know, Women's World Cups as well as a journalist. But, uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've really, Timmy, you've got me wanting to uh, experience what it's like to follow a team during a World Cup and, and not have to worry about filing or deadline or any of that, just having a good time. Yeah, and, and, and like I do say, it's like as a football fan, it's almost like you know, going to Mecca or it's like a pilgrimage that like every football fan should take in their life at some point is, is following whatever your team might be in an international tournament. And like, even if your team's not there, I think it's worth it to go regardless. Like in Saint-Étienne, I I was telling, uh, I, I showed Dan a picture of this, but we ran into like five Canadians that were just like wearing their Team Canada hockey jerseys that like had zero interest in going to like any of the games, but were just there randomly taking in the kind of the experience. So, you know, whether or not your country's at the tournament, if it is, it's a bonus, but it's, it's something that I think every, every football fan should experience. And something I've, I've something I realized we didn't do at the start of the episode, because I think I got too excited leading us into it is what the hell are you drinking to me? Yeah, I'm drinking a um, Anderson Craft Ale, a summer um, version, which is uh, a German-style Pilsner. Um, Anderson Craft Ales are brewed in London, Ontario, and um, that was given to me by a mutual friend of, of Dan and mine's. Awesome. Well, Timmy, you've uh, you've certainly sold me on, on traveling to an international tournament one day. Maybe not maybe not the next world cup we'll see uh but yes thank you so much uh timmy a pleasure dan uh, i guess we have to find out somewhere else to go now yeah yeah and again to our listeners if you've been to watch your team abroad at a tournament please let us know and we'd be interested to talk to you because this is the season so until next time he's dan i'm gavin thanks for joining us everybody thank you